on my face Hasn't stopped raining for days My world is a flood Slowly I become one with the mud But if I can't swim after 40 days in some mystery yeah or something that's enigma that's not in the script i didn't though. know <laughs> i know it's not when he said enigma see, see, i thought he was cheating. about to say something else and stop i was like cheating. Stop stop cheating, <laughs> all right welcome mystery enthusiasts to another riveting episode of the midnight special podcast i'm your host mastermind I'm joining everybody's here today. We got our ho- our co-hosts here. We got Paradox here. Hey everybody. And we got Rick here. What's poppin'? It's your boy. It's man been glad to see you. Speak to you all again. I'm I'm glad to be able to bring y'all, you know, this premium audio yet again. <laughs> I know y'all been having to deal with some some less than, you know, less than par things. My, he's um, talking about me, my trash audio. Things, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm back now. So all is well. Hope you guys are well. Happy uh, Thanksgiving and whatnot. I uh, hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Got nice and full. You know, holiday season. Holiday season is an effect. Hope you guys enjoying the holidays. Y'all got anything I want to update first? Or are we just getting right into it? Um, uh, I'll plug at the end. I blanked. I'm good. Did you break? <laughs> I did. I did. I did. I really did. I'm not even going to lie. Hey, we ain't got the manpower to be editing all these breaks. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. All right. Well, we're just going to get right into it. All right. So today we got a nice, a nice, uh, a different episode. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's weird history. Let's put it that way. It's weird history. Last episode was real history. This time it's weird history. So today we're going to delve into the shadows of a small town's enigma that sent shivers down the spines of its residents. The perplexing and chilling Circleville Letters Mystery. (laughs) That was better. I like that one. I like that one. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So if you don't know what this is about, well, we'll have to tell you. But imagine receiving an anonymous letter revealing your deepest secrets. Deliver right to your doorstep. Now multiply that per- paranoia across an entire community. I want you guys to join us as we unravel the cryptic messages, the web of deceit, and the eerie events that turned the peaceful town of Circleville, Ohio, into a hotbed of intrigue. Buckle up, because the pen is mired than the sword in this perplexing tale of anonymous letters, conspiracy, and a community on the edge. You won't want to miss this spine-tingling journey into the heart of the Circleville letters mystery. Now, Circleville Letters Mystery has been an enticing enigma for true crime enthusiasts throughout the years. I mean, if you, you know, if you just 
pay attention, turn on the television or, or listen to podcasts. It's been a subject of multiple podcasts, news stories, cold case files, even garnering enough attention for a 60 minutes presentation. And it all happened in a rather small town, Circleville, Ohio. Hmm. Very, very small town. I was saying, I didn't know they got down like that out there in Ohio. <laughs> Ohio My- is a dangerous place. <laughs> <laughs> when you say small town, what you mean by like how small? I would say probably like 20, 20,000 residents. Okay. That, okay. Okay. All right. Maybe even less than that. Damn. Maybe that's like 12. Small. In today's time, that's small. That is pretty small. <laughs> Mainly where y'all live at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got like eight, 8 million people. <laughs> yeah. I think, and that's on the low side. Before the city of Circleville became known for dark decades long mystery, these poison pen letters, it was primarily, primarily known for the pumpkin show. Go up there. The fuck is that? It's Ohio's oldest and largest festival. It's a pumpkin festival. <laughs> yep. Based back, based back to 1903, and yes, it is just a. Festival for pumpkins, big ones, little ones, strange Small ones, small ones, round ones. I feel like we turned into Dr. So Seuss real pumpkins. quick. Where's the size of your head? My <laughs> <laughs> you boy said big ones, small ones, some is round your head. Bruh, nah, we just turned into Dr. Seuss right quick with the bars. Nah, I took that from Scar. That's straight out the Disney book. <laughs> wait, what was that? Hold on. Wait, wait, what was that? Too? Lion King. What's that? I've got, got a lovely, lovely bunch of coconuts. Diddly day. Diddly day. Can't stand y'all. All right. So following the American Revolutionary War, many settlers relocated to the West. Yes, Ohio is in the West, considering where people landed. Circleville is so named for the circular layout of the original settlement, constructed within the Hopewell tradition of the earthwork. It's founded by one such group of European Americans in 1810. I looked on a map. So basically, the center of the town is uh, is arranged in this like these concentric circles. That's just mm-hmm. creepy. It's like this little center. You're 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 it's asking to get a lot creepier. <laughs> you're asking to get fucked up with with a layout like that. Excuse me. Well, it's gonna get a, yeah, it's gonna get a lot creepier. Settler said, "When we got here, it just kind of made sense, you know." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you start one place, you go around, come right back, right? No, nah, that's you Come right back. I mean, <laughs> you asking to be stuck in a time. So they literally put a target on their back. Like pretty they much. They literally put a target on their back. <laughs> literally, bullseye. <laughs> but for much of its history, the city was pretty quiet. It's a small town. You know, everybody knew each other. Sort of people felt safe and content. It's Ohio, but you know, everybody was just. I guess in tight knit community, um, but that was all about the change. So this story is going to get pretty. It's real, okay. So everything in here is like one hundred percent fact based. There's actual cases. Again, there's like sixty minutes. There's been multiple documentaries, multiple you know news stories that went on it. Um, so it takes place in the seventies. So keep that in mind. I'm mentioning it, but keep that in mind. It takes place in the 70s, so there's no cell phones or anything. But it does get kind of creepy. And before I get started, um, at the end, I want to get you guys' take. Um, we're going to do some like theories of who done it, basically. And we're going to see, save your, uh, unless it's just a reaction, save your true thoughts until the end. Because 
there's a bit there's a, there's some twists and turns that go in here it's not too complicated but we're gonna get into it all right so if you're unfamiliar with this story i want to point out that the true culprit of these letters has never been 100 percent confirmed wait oh, i was about to ask a question i was like okay I, we'll get it we'll get into it later on probably <laughs> okay um, I tell you that because when we reach the climax of this episode, or again, I want to go into some speculation into who done it, discussing possible perps, and maybe in some insight into a new theory that may may have broken the case. Actually, but nobody wants to actually break the case for some reason. It's very weird because it's like there's a bit of strangeness around this story because stuff happens, and you're like, but really, that really happened, and they got away with it, kind of kind of deal. There's no, there's like, there's no energy in trying to figure out the actual mystery. Does that make sense? Tell us what it is, bro. All right, I'm just building suspense here. <laughs> Tell us what it is, bro. I know, I'm, I'm sitting All here right. like, I need to know. Mar- I know, I'm sitting here like, I need to know. <laughs> All right, in March of 1976, several residents of the town of Circleville started receiving anonymous letters in their mailboxes. These letters were creepy in the fact that they were often containing detailed information of people's private lives and included threats of exposing personal information about the readers. And hundreds of them kept coming as if the town was under siege by an unknown watcher. I got one of the one of the letters here. I think this was just basically sent to somebody. It says, you have been watched. Failure to comply, you shall suffer. No one can help. No one can protect you. Obey. Obey. Right, so that's that's just creepy. It's Dang, why they send it like a command, bro? <laughs> it's like that felt like a, why they send it like a coding command. It felt like a subliminal <laughs> message, and it's like that first obey didn't hit, the second one will. <laughs> it's that obey, obey. <laughs> well, if you take, I mean, if you actually look at the letters, you can pull them up on your computer screen. But if you look at the letters, they're like written in this big blocky kind of handwritten text. I looked at them. It's they like you know creepy. how boy typed that up. <laughs> You know how you hey, boy cooked that up and boy cooked that up in C plus <laughs> plus. <laughs> well, you know how you were in school and you had the the white the college ruled and the wide ruled. Uh huh. And yeah. And and you know how you know the, you know the transition you went from wide ruled to college ruled, but some people <laughs> couldn't make that transition, and so they just kept yeah. writing wide ruled. That's how the letters are written. <laughs> I hate college rule paper. You hate college? I hate wide rule paper so much. Yeah, it's it don't make sense, bro. It's so hard to write on. You I don't know look why. At somebody's, you look at somebody's write at somebody's paper. It's like you just can't get right, can you? They <laughs> couldn't make that transition, but that's how they were written, basically. I guess it's an old thing. I don't know. So we're gonna follow one particular story that was the most prominent again remember these letters have been started sending out across the whole entire town right so basically if you had some dirty laundry you were getting one of these letters okay (laughs) this noob just (laughs) that man said i'm listening he's he's interested bro he's curious he's a creep all right so the first The first letter we're going to talk about was a letter, and that was sent to the superintendent, Gordon Massey, with accusations of having inappropriate relationships with the female workers in bus driver. I said, I did not have sexual relations <laughs> with that with woman. That woman. 
Pretty much, that was his comeback. That was his comeback. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So I want y'all, also the audience out there, um, keep like keep track of these names because it is like a game of Clue. All right. I like that game. So that's expected. <laughs> that, that is expected. All right. So and so more letters followed, each with escalating threats. With even with one even saying that if he didn't stop sleeping with employees that they would cut the brake lines in his car. Remember, okay, that's excessive. That point, okay? It, it, gets, it gets worse. Even on that same day, a letter was sent to the actual school board detailing how Massey assaulted and had more affairs with the female bus drivers. Okay. And now the school board, they pretty much ignored these letters and they wrote them off as just like, you know, idle threats, basically. That is until the school board also received a letter. Okay. So... Massey receives a letter, uh, the school board finds out, then the school board gets a letter. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll insert that later for our audience. But it basically, safe. yeah, basically it was like, it was a threat to the school board. Like, if you don't, if you don't do something about this, something's bad going to happen to you or to the school or, and whatnot. So only somebody with intimate knowledge of the school and employee numbers would have access to such information furthering this mystery. No, oh, okay. So although although these letters were sent to multiple people of the town, the most popular recipient of these letters, and I guess our main character of this story, I guess we can say, was a local woman by the name of Mary Gillespie. Okay, she worked as a school bus driver, and she lived with her husband Ron Gillespie. Gillespie. Gillespie? I think it's Gillespie. I think it's Gillespie. Yeah. Gillespie? Gillespie or Gillespie? I don't know. G i l l e s p i e. You decide. I want to say Gillespie. I'm gonna say Gillespie. All right. <laughs> So she lived with her husband, Ron. One day, Mary walked out. She checked her mailbox and she noticed a strange letter. The letter, okay, this is just kind of describing what the letters looked like. They were prim- they were all postmarked from Columbus, Ohio, with no return address. All the letters were handwritten, except for later it starts getting typewritten. And I think that's like a major clue, but we'll get to it. And basically, this letter that she received was basically indicting her of having an illicit affair with the superintendent. Of the school, Gordon Massey. Mrs. Gillespie, stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about meeting him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house, and I know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified, and everything will be over soon. Yeah. Um, Gillespie, Gillespie, stop it, Gillespie, 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 her, I'm saying Mary, Mary, Ron's woman. (laughs) Now, Mary wasn't a typical person that you suspect of a scandal. Um, you know, her people around her described her as being an excellent part of the community, she was a good friend and wife. So it was shocking that she received one of these mysterious letters. However, rather than telling her husband, the upset Mary Gillespie decided to keep the letter to herself. See? Guilty. <laughs> Maybe? I mean... Immediately. Right? Immediately. It's, it's sketchy, Immediately. Right? It's sketchy. <laughs> Immediately. It's sketchy. She did something. It might not be that, but she did something. Just something. <laughs> so over the next few weeks, more letters kept following. Now, one of these letters mentioned her employee number so only someone with like intimate knowledge 
of the school and employee numbers would have access to to that information. So it's kind of, that kind of furthers the mystery and it kind of reveals possible suspects. But then again, like I said, it's like this strange thing happens where it's kind of like a trickster kind of thing happening here. Does that make if that makes sense? It's like something hang, something strange will happen and you'll be on the tail of it. And then something happens where the tail ends. A red herring. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Is that what? Is that right? Yeah, that's what that is. That's what it is. Right. So, yeah, whoever was sending is writing these letters knew personal information about Mary Gillespie, including where she lived, even knew about her her children, uh, Ron, his car. He knew deta- other details like her work schedule, her bus routes. And she just kept ignoring the letters for weeks. Um, and each, each letter that she ignored, the, the letter writer pretty much raised the stakes more and more. Me? Yeah, that's not that's not laughing at anything. Look, look, who's laughing at anything? Me struggling. What are you doing, man? It was a. She's fighting a. She's fighting a battle over there. (laughs) No wonder you went quiet. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I was trying to hold it together, but she was over there fighting for her life. We got a dog on spider. Just kill it, bro. Bro, catch it. Throw it outside. I'm not catching that son of a gun. I don't even know where he went. <laughs> oh. It's okay. It's a house spider. You'll be right. Noob will find it. Yeah. It's worth That's what he's supposed to be doing anyways. He's gone. Ain't nowhere to be seen. Maybe he tracking down a spider. But yeah. Y'all talked about Yeah, the letter writer basically started, they started raising the stakes. Um, so sending more, bigger and more intense threats as she kept ignoring the letters. There was one time where she ignored a letter, and now the letter writer sent one directly to her husband, Ron. Here, here's where it kind of derailed. Basically, the letter that was sent to Ron basically detailed Mary's affair with Massey and even threatened to kill him if he didn't go to the school board or do anything about it. When I say threatened to kill him, I meant... Mr. Gillespie, you're doing a lot for her. No one cares that much for anyone this day. Make him come to her rescue. But he won't. He's been awful good lately. He knows what he must do. But he won't. Make her admit the truth. Call the school board. His affairs must stop. Everyone will know soon. Think of yourself. Uh, The writer knew where Ron worked. He knew what car he drove. As anyone would do, Ron confronted Mary about the letters. And she admitted at this time that she had been receiving the letters for weeks now. Yes, she denied having an affair with Massey. So she's, she's still denying that. So thus they decided once again, let's just ignore the letters. Two weeks passed, Ron receives another letter. And in this letter, the handwriting had been changed a little bit. It was, it was more blockier and it was probably to make it harder to trace. In this, in this letter, the writer knew that Ron had done nothing about Mary's affair with Massey and threatened to reveal such information by putting up signs and billboards and even put these details out on CB radio. Does everybody know what CB radio is? There? No. Citizens Band. Yeah. Really? Hey, yeah, CB radio stands for Citizens Band Radio. Basically, it's like shortwave, ra- shortwave radio, <laughs> and which the bus drivers use to communicate to each other. Do you there. know who I am, brother? All right. <laughs> the audio <Okay>. guru. <laughs> All right. 
When was it made? Hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> 70s. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um. <laughs> don't worry. Wait, it was crazy wait, wait, back CB then. Radio, I think it, CB Radio, I actually think it was made during the 19, was it the 1950s? Was it the 1950s? It was during the war. Yeah, it was during the war. Pretty much anything before 1980, if you have to ask when it was made, it was made, it was during the war. It was during <laughs> I'm dying <laughs> during the war. Um, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was used by the British when they were getting bombed, but it was 1945. Um, it was during World War II, so that they could communicate with troops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they they the letter basically said we're gonna air air this out on CB radio for all the bus drivers to hear, but anybody else listening to CB radio when they were gonna. They're gonna go on there. I need everybody to know Mary is out here getting pounded. <laughs> Dang, why is it gonna be pounded? By the superintendent. Mary is Mary is laying it down in the bus. <laughs> in, the bus. in the bus for the superintendent. <laughs> and I'm just gonna tell you all about it. <laughs> Everybody's gonna know about it. I'm <laughs> So things even started escalating to the point where Ron and Mary started receiving anonymous phone calls, much in the same vein as the written letters. Now they're receiving phone calls. This is when they turn to family and friends for help, even though this would turn out to be pretty much a bad idea. So they contacted their the next cast members of our story, Ron's sister and her husband, Karen and Paul Freshow. These people got some weird names. It's Ohio. <laughs> it's Ohio, what did you expect? <laughs> so together, Again, together, like a real gang of clue, they put together a list of suspects. And at the top of this list was a man by the name of David Longberry. <laughs> David was a fellow bus driver who tried to make a... <laughs> you laughing at his name? Yes. <laughs> Longberry. Longberry. I'm dying. I was, <laughs> was going to make a joke and I said, don't do it. Uh, are you still searching for that spider? No, I'm putting everything back. He disappeared and I... Bro, what is Noob back there doing? <laughs> he, just, he just tore that chair up with the paps. I, yeah, he's losing his mind. He's, he's a little crazy. Whatever. Oh, well, she rearranges her whole apartment. Um, <laughs> Y'all know how scared a spider is. David was a fellow bus driver. David was a fellow bus driver and suspectedly, supposedly, she made he made a pass at Mary once upon a time. Okay. And after being rejected, David became resentful. Speculation, of course. And they figured out figured that he was the culprit. Believing they knew who the writer was at last, they had Paul write a letter to David. Okay. So keep in mind, this is a pivotal plot point, which I I want to come back to later. When we discuss the possible keys to who the mystery writer was. Imagine these boys just all doing it to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get each other to shut I up. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> boys just out here passing notes now. Playing on paranoia. It just, it's just weird to me that they would get Paul Freshour to write the letter to David. They're like, why Ron can't write the letter? <laughs> That's what I said. But anyway. It's his, it's his woman. 
That's what I said. But anyways, in these letters, they threatened David that they would go to the police if the letters didn't stop immediately. I'm going to insert a letter right here. The letters actually did stop, but not for long. In August 1977, the signs started appearing. They started noticing signs starting to appear all across town, written in the same handwriting as the letters. And they get nasty. Some of these signs even accused Massey of having an affair with their daughter, Tracy, who was only 12 at the time. What? And this is outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> and keep in mind, even though I can't get all the letters and put them in the podcast, um, because a lot of them were confiscated, a lot of them were like have actually personal information about people so they kind of just destroyed them the so many signs were pretty graphic in what was happening like, like details right so ron went on his way to remove the these vulgar signs early in the morning um so his wife and daughter wouldn't see them on the way to school he was getting up every pretty much every morning and trying to remove these signs across town because they would see him because it's a small town they're gonna and they're on the bus. Why he ain't just go? Why he ain't just go stake out where he's putting the signs up? I believe it really is because uh, they didn't know when the signs were gonna be put up. Like, hey, bro, if they if they bringing them boys back. Yeah, he should just stay. He should just stay awake and there. like monitor. I'm gonna say, bro, all you gotta do is double back on your schedule one time. Well, there is <laughs> the one, opposite. There is one person that may have been a potential witness that did see somebody putting up doing something or having activity doing something similar which i'll get to later but again it's like you don't know where the signs are going to come up they're yeah. going to be on the bus route so unless you just camp out the whole bus route you're not going to find who put the signs up and there's and you might not want to and you'll see why in a second so mary in an attempt to get away she went out of town while ron remained with the kids Friday, August 19th, um, the Jalapsi's phone rang and a caller revealed that she, that he had been watching the house, right? Ron, angry, yet in a covert manner, said he recognized who the letter writer was. Subsequently, he grabbed his gun, said goodbye to his daughter, careful not to alert her, and drove off into the night. Ron Gillespie never made it home that nah, night. Nah, nah. <laughs> Wait. At 10.25 p.m., only moments after... If, if the person had been watching the house and he left, he knew they was watching the house, so even if he left, he should have known that they were probably going to be tailing him. Like, why? you you, you got to be ready on all fronts if you're going to see him and go after somebody. Because that, 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 it couldn't have been a one-person thing now that I'm thinking about it. Because if that was the case, like, how you going to leave your house, be ready to fight somebody, and lose the fight and not show back up? Well, I mean, we can kind of get into it because just for the point that you said, there had to be a reason that he, a reasonable reason that he went alone with his gun at night to go get this person. Obviously, he knew he could take this person like he knew who it was. And which is weird, but it, obviously he couldn't. So it had to be more than one person because I, if he knew he could have taken that person, then he wouldn't have not shown back up that night. That's possible, too. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's a maybe he's a bad shot. <laughs> That sauce that might be possible too. When you figure out what happened, it might it gives clues. But again, it's a lot of red herrings here. So at 10:25 p.m., only moments after he left his house in his 1971 red white Ford pickup. Oh, that's sweet. He uh he it was found crashed into a tree. It seemed as though Ron had failed 
to make a turn and almost ejected himself from the vehicle. Um, he was later pronounced dead upon arrival at the hospital. After launching an investigation, the sheriff, Dwight Radcliffe, who is our next character in this story, he noticed a bullet had been fired from Ron's gun. However, what's strange is that there was no noticeable bullet hole or any actual bullet, just an empty bullet casing. From what I understand, the gun was found underneath his body, so he was kind of laying on the gun. But again, there was no bullet hole, um, just an empty bullet casing. Nah, that's weird. Of course, the Gillespie's, uh, they suspected foul play and that Ron actually caught up to the letter writer and took a shot at him. However, the sheriff considered it a closed case after Gillespie's blood alcohol level came back double the legal limit. So there's a lot of things going on here to prevent a clear answer to all this. Of course, the sheriff thought, well, he was just drunk, lost control, crashed. But the Gillespie's argued that this was uncharacteristic of Ron to drink and he and leave his daughter alone in, in a rage. Again, it's a small town. Everybody knows each other. People around the town wouldn't find this, wouldn't find what the Gillespie's thinking to be just them making an excuse. They, like, people knew Ron, too. So they still wanted the sheriff to investigate further, but he refused, calling the whole thing an accident. Even with the discharged gun, even with the empty bullet casing, and even with the letters going around town. But did they tell the sheriff about the letters? Yeah, the sheriff knew about the letters. Okay. okay nah, okay. the sheriff had to be a part of that shit. <laughs> he knew about the letters because he gonna receive one. Nah, he had he had to be a part of it. <laughs> uh, so they yeah they still wanted him to investigate. Um, they wanted to examine the truck, but the truck went to be crushed at the junkyard only a few days afterwards, after the uh, accident. Nah, that's surely they was trying to hide suspicious. something. Suspicious. Suspicious. That's super suspicious. <laughs> you majorly sus. And I think they also wanted an autopsy, but I think they were denied an autopsy. For some and see, that's weird, too, because you you shouldn't they shouldn't do that. They probably sat here and said it was for religious, per religious or something. I don't know. I forgot the reason for that. Only later. And when I say later, I mean, like much later, we learned that there was a suspect that was actually in custody. Now, this was assumed to be the aforementioned Longberry. David Longberry mm -hmm. was suspected of making mm -hmm. a pass at Mary. But that's never been confirmed. But what has been confirmed that the suspect that they had passed a polygraph test. Now, this is back in the 70s. Polygraph was uh, an acceptable form of investigation back then. It yeah. showed like today. Um, however, all this uncertainty around the case led people of the town to suspect the sheriff of a cover-up. Like, as you said. I mean. However, there's still no concrete evidence. That makes sense, though, because... If you refuse to sit here and do an investigation properly, then what made him think people weren't going to automatically turn to blaming it on him? That don't even make sense. Maybe, maybe he's under his own pressure. Who knows? No, uh, he had, he had, yeah, he had to have something. To have. But the letters continue, and the conspiracy continued to grow. The new letters were now stating that the sheriff was covering up the incident. Pretty much, just yeah, you covered it up. You know what you did. And who was the most vocal in their outcry? None other than Paul Freshour, that is the husband to the sister-in-law, Mary. Mm -hmm. Two years after Ron's death, Mary confessed, again, uh, remember the time frame here. These letters are still continuing to come in periodically over years in this town. So two years after Ron's death, Mary confessed to having an affair with Gordon Massey. She just came out 
said, yes, I had an affair. The reason she came out is unknown. Yeah, she states that it was in 1979, so this was after Ron's death. It's not an affair then. Yeah, but is that, do y'all think that's suspicious? <laughs> Nobody? All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying she wasn't doing it all along. Yeah. <laughs> but. But yeah, I mean, she confessed to it in 1979. She assumed the letters would stop, yet over the next seven years, seven years, she received over 40 letters calling her a cheater, liar, homewrecker, and everything in between, and even extending threats to her children. If her daughter was 12, seven years, she'd be what? 19. Or just leaving high school? Yeah, she, well, she, probably about a year after. So imagine, just imagine going through high school and you're receiving these letters, that something that may have happened and everybody's reading these letters about what happened because if her daughter was like assaulted, that's something that you wouldn't yeah. want everybody knowing. But know? also, yeah, mainly not back then. Yeah, so that's a that's a that's kind of a crazy aspect that nobody really kind of goes into. It's like the effect that it had on children, probably because there's really no information, probably because they didn't want information really getting out about that whole situation. So in 1983, Mary was driving her bus near where Ron had died and saw a sign detailing vulgarity between her daughter and Massey. This is 1983. Having had enough, she went to remove the sign. That's where it gets that's where it gets crazy. So when she went to go remove the sign, connected to the sign was a string tied to a box. And inside was a handgun that was basically molded into uh, some styrofoam. Mm -hmm. And the handgun was rigged to fire whenever the sign was removed. So if she was standing in front, she would have got shot point blank in the chest. Bruh, no, that's wild. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, it just so happened that she was standing to the side of it and the bullet missed. Uh, but she would have been, she pretty much would have been killed. So after an investigation, again, the gun serial number, guess what happened to the serial number? Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. Uh, it was filed off. However, they were able to recover it. And they found out that the gun belonged to a Wes Wesley. But he, but they, and they questioned Wes Wesley. And he recently, he said he recently sold it to Paul Freshour, his supervisor. That's so fucking weird. See, <laughs> this, I'm never moving to Ohio. <laughs> no. These people crazy. So Wes, <laughs> Wes Wesley, I think they, they worked at a factory pretty much. Wes Wesley was a worker in this factory. Just so, just so the audience understands what's going on here. Wes Wesley, Wes Wesley was a worker at a factory. I think it was like 20 miles away. Paul Freshour, Wes Wesley sold the gun to Paul Freshour. Paul Freshour, that was, so technically it was Paul Freshour's gun that was in the trap. So please question Paul Freshour. He admitted that it was his, but it had been stolen a few days earlier. I don't believe it. Being bought in for questioning. <laughs> hey, 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 hold your thoughts. Cause there's gonna be something where you're like, huh. He was bonded for questioning, but Freshour stated that he was being obviously framed. The sheriff, with Freshour cooperating, had him copy the letters. Okay. First, he had him copy the letters. Exactly. He said, basically, the sheriff was like, okay, here's the letter. Copy it the best you can. Paul Freshour complied and he copied the letter. Then the sheriff told him to write a few sentences in that same uh, handwriting. 
Paul Freshire complied again and wrote a few sentences. The sheriff determined mm-hmm. that it was a perfect match nah. and, and arrested him. That sheriff's sketchy. That sheriff real sketchy. <laughs> this is why you don't do anything the police tell you without a lawyer present. Yeah, because that's, that's Basically, leading him to do something. Like, literally, if you're going to tell me to copy something as close as possible, you can easily do that. Now, you would think that this wouldn't hold, this evidence wouldn't hold up in no, court. No, it shouldn't. That's what you would think, right? It did. Paul Freshire was sentenced to seven, seven to 25 years in prison for attempted murder charges. Seven to 25 years, and he definitely served 10. But while he was in prison, guess what? The letters kept coming in. Everybody in the town kept getting letters, and now... The letters spread beyond Circleville, Ohio. Nah. Now the the letters had a pretty much like a hundred mile radius beyond Circleville. Paul maintained his innocence, even being in prison. He was in prison about a hundred miles away. People still accused him of writing the letters while in prison. Again, the letters kept coming, and these letters were going to everybody. Fresh Hours lawyers received letters, and they were accused of corruption. The coroner of Ron was accused of child abuse. And that was actually found out to be true. Uh, and so he skipped town. Some letters were actually dusted in poison that were being sent to people. Some people got poisoned from them. The sheriff demanded that wa- the warden of the prison that Fresh Hour was in get control under a Fresh Hour. And the warden basically, he stood up for Fresh Hour and he basically said that this was impossible that Fresh Hour would be able to do this because we checked the mail coming in and out of the- The uh, stood up for himself. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, he said he checked the mail coming in and out, or they checked the mail coming in and out, and there's no way that one of these letters could have been sent out without somebody noticing. And the fact that Fresh Hour was in solitary state, you know, he couldn't possibly be sending unchecked mail out of the prison, and that he was a he was a good prisoner. So basically, the warden stood up for him. So in 1990, Fresh Hour was up for parole. So he's been in jail for somebody do the math. He's been in jail. He went in for 10 years. 79 to 1990. Yeah. 10, 11 years. 11 11 years. So you've been in jail for 11 years. And so in 1990, he was up for parole. However, the parole board voted against Fresh Hour, basically stating that he, he wasn't ready to be let back into society. Cause he was still they, they assumed that he was still writing a letter that's so janky if they didn't have proof they shouldn't have did that and again the warden stood up for him again but to no avail and soon after that fresh hour paul fresh hour received a letter himself in jail fresh hour now when are you going to believe you aren't getting out of there i told you two years ago when we set them up they stay set up don't you listen at all no one wants you out. No one. The joke is on you. <laughs> Tell no one of this letter. I saw the paper. Great news. Great. The sheriff loved it. <laughs> Do you believe it now? Do you? The main sentence that stuck out was when we set them up, they stay down. When we set them up, they stay down. And no, and I think that one, that one, okay. bet money, that one came from the sheriff. Bet money. 
Maybe. I feel Maybe. I feel like he did. It had to. Cause don't there ain't no way. And he 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 made sure he chose the perfect time to sit here and put blame on Paul Fresh 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 Hour, Fresher, Fresh, whatever that dude name is. He made sure he picked the perfect time to sit here and put blame on him to get public eye way, way tuned in to what he was doing. And I'm sitting here like if the war obviously if if things are getting out. Why would the warden not keep a specific eye on him, let alone have people watching him 24-7? That don't even make sense. Who knows? We're dealing with the functionality of a small town and what, what you can and can't get away with and what you don't have to do in order to get away with something. It's pretty much taking advantage of the, the, uh, the characteristics of a small town. Um, and I think the letters eventually ended up stopping However, I do want to note that I think I mentioned before, but the letters started stopped being handwritten and they were actually typewritten. And basically, that's how the story ends. That's it. Paul Freshour goes to jail. Ron is killed. Mary is she probably if she was smart, she probably just like left. She probably left the small time. I would have left, too. Her daughter probably left with her or she probably just got away from her mom and left either way it went. Yeah, there was even a, actually a there was a forty eight hours episode because I guess it's because since it's a you know since it's a cold case. Yeah, I. There was a forty eight hours episode. I was looking that up to see where people could watch the story or watch like a documentary on it. Yeah, it was a forty eight hours episode. It was a sixty minutes. There was a sixty minutes coverage, and there was also unsolved mysteries. Of course. What is? It is a truly an unsolved mystery, even though it's technically solved because. I mean, that wasn't solved. Nah, because if he if he last minute received the letter also, it couldn't have been him unless maybe in the beginning he might have been a part of it. But later on, he probably realized like the detriment of what was going on and how bad it had gotten and backed out. But they thought he might have been a liability and would have started running his mouth. So they needed to get rid of him. And he was the prime person to sit here and take the fall. But it, it does go to tell you, because there's been no testimony from Paul Freshire that some, somebody that he knew did it. Well, I'm... That's, a str- that's like the strange thing from Paul Freshire. Like, he really didn't know who did it. Well, they may, they may have something on him that if he squeals, it could be it could give him worse time than what he already dealing with now. Or more time. The thing is, like, <laughs> Paul wasn't even a part of this at the beginning. <laughs> Like they went to him for help. Yeah. So, I mean, he wasn't even like a part of this. This wasn't even his problem if he wasn't the guy who did it. The only time it was a problem when they had him write the letter. Remember that first letter to David Longberry? He literally just got involved by association at that point. But he shouldn't have even did the, the letter to to, date, to Longberry. Yeah, but if, yeah. Yeah, see, like because had he right not there. got involved, he could. <laughs> but see, that may be why. If he uh, like, if he only wrote one letter, as I said, that already imbues him into being a part of everything. And when they sit here and have to go, he probably did. They probably had something on him that's a bit more incriminating than what that one letter. But he probably was like, I don't need this getting out. And since he was like, I don't need this getting out, he was like, I'm gonna have to back out early on. And since he did that, they were like, he's about to run his mouth, and they couldn't risk it. At this point, I want I want to know everybody's theories without looking at what, what I wrote, because I have mine, all right, and I'm just gonna go with the one. It's like an extra theory that nobody really thinks about, 
But I want to get I want to get y'all's theory of who done it without looking at the script. Uh, I let's go Rick first. I'm gonna say you asking me to solve a case that took over two years <laughs> in like two seconds. <laughs> hey, just speculate. You know more information than they knew at the <laughs> during the investigation, or did you? Um. Well, you don't have to be right. Just honestly. using, just using like common sense. Well, not common sense, but like just a little context clues. For some reason, this is oriented around the school. Like it starts there. It stems from the school, which I guess makes sense in a small town like school and you know whatnot. It's like right next to whatever. Mm-hmm. But the fact for a superintendent to be involved would make me imply like we don't. We really don't know the person, and this person probably had a vendetta of allowing themselves to elevate into a position. I don't think it was as much about Mary as it was made out to be. I think Mary was just a way to start a fire or like a domino effect. Now, that affair may have just been like a weak point for the superintendent. Like, I have like politicians in my family, so to speak, who like kind of deal with like boards and stuff like that. And there is a lot of stuff like that that happens just to try and get power to shift. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would have to say, like, I can't say, like, any of our characters did it. I don't think any of our characters did it. The only character I would say may have, like, had actual reason would be, like, well, no, not even Longbeard because he wouldn't want to draw attention to himself or something he was found guilty of. So I don't even think he would get involved by doing something like this. He ain't have nothing to really benefit Maybe if the affair was real, then the superintendent's wife possibly okay. could have done this um, to some extent. But I don't think she would take it as far as to, like, letting Ron get killed and somebody, you know, die for it. Especially not after um, Mary confessed or whatnot. Because still, what satisfaction do you get from that as a wife? You know what I mean? Like, a confession does what for you? It does nothing. So <laughs> I think the person who did it is is a player who had a goal in mind and we just I think he got away with it. <laughs> Ultimately. So you think it's a it sounds to me like who like a mysterious shadow person. It sounds to me like whoever did it got away with it. Yeah. And honestly, I would look to anywhere like where positions of power were beginning to open up or opportunities for major investments regarding mm. this situation would be opening mm. up. Like, you know, I would look to places like that. Like, maybe there's a new superintendent, somebody running for a superintendent. There's somebody looking to get a position in their bus line or whatever. I would look in those areas. Or even with the prison system, like somebody looking to ascend into a position, I would look there as opposed to like the small scandalous things. Cause it feels like, like a lot of it is just smoke to me. Cause some of the stuff that sh- that's like key parts of the story just, don't benefit anyone who would have been doing it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. They just don't. Okay. I mean, that's a good investigative uh, point there. It's like, who has something to gain? And it's going to come up when I explain this other. It's a plot point, but it's like a side plot. But, um, all right, Paradox, what do you think? A part of me, a part of me really wants to say it was Ron to get his wife to admit that to get his wife to sit here and admit that she had been cheating. But then it gets weird because yeah, he, like, yeah, he started getting, but with him still, with him getting letters, 
it like, okay, he could have just wrote them to himself to even more put her in the predicament of exposing herself and make, forcing the superintendent to come out about it. But then it's like, how did he end up dead running into a tree? So now the question becomes, if they knew all of this information about her personal information, obviously he would know that person, but it's weird based off of the beginning of this whole story, the first person to get a letter was a superintendent, correct? Um, I don't know if he was like the very first, but in this particular sequence of events, he was the first. I, I would say, yeah, he was the first person. Yeah. To your point, it's possible that Ron was going to kill the superintendent while drunk and died. But then the question you have to ask is who took up the mantle with writing these letters? And see, now I'm sitting here wondering if it could have been Mary upset about what had happened. But then she wouldn't, because I mean, she didn't get shot. When she sat here and went to that rig, she didn't. When she didn't get shot, when she went and sat here and tried to pull down that sign and everything, which it says, like that mm. says pretty much she knew it was rig. But now I'm sitting here wondering also. Easy. <laughs> and see, it's so many things. See how weird that see, is. That's though? not a bad. That's not a. It's not a bad theory though. Yeah. Because if most, if someone, yeah. if I, never, I really never thought if about she, that. If she made, if she made herself the victim. Yeah, because now she's like. Bro, you scared the hell out of me. We talking about scary stories. I'm sorry, scary stories. And I'm sitting here like, is anything behind me? Um, but no, like, <laughs> it's the simple fact that because if I'm gonna pull a if I'm gonna pull a sign out of the ground, I'm gonna sit here and shake the sign to loosen it and be in front of it to try and loosen it and then pull the sign up. Like, I'm not gonna go to the side and try and pull it up. There's not enough force, obviously. So if she went and saw this sign, I she, I feel like she knew it was rigged, but I think she probably got upset about what happened with Ron because she felt like it was her fault for what had got what what had been done. So now she has to sit here and try and get revenge somehow, some way, or get people to start exposing themselves and telling themselves by sitting here and sending out the letters. And I mean, that's a, that, that's a good that's a good one because she's the only one that really got out of this. She really did. Like literally as a story, as as everything ends, because the sheriff, people already, pe no one sat here anywhere in the story and wondered if it was Mary. And then she confessed also to having an affair with Gordon Massey. And that was after he had died. So, I mean, that literally takes her out of the whole, so, like, I feel like when people sit here and they're like, oh yes, I did do this. I'm sorry. They feel like they, they feel bad for it. People stop looking at you as like, like she still got all the letters saying cheater, liar, homewrecker, everything in between. I feel like that was him probably like she got off scot free and who was I feel like it's just two people in this whole thing. What's the, the superintendent? Because the superintendent's still alive, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He probably was sitting here writing letters to her saying, well, I mean, you're still a homewrecker and a cheater and this, this and this because she got off scot free. He didn't because nine times out of ten, he lost his job. So now he has to get her back for sitting here and sending letters. So it's it's more than one person and they, they may just have different, they may have different goals in all of this, but they're trying to get revenge on each other and other people are getting pulled into it because they're trying to use other people for their own means. And nine times out of 10 with the whole sheriff, one of them probably had the sheriff by the balls because um, maybe the superintendent, if anything, the superintendent may have had the, the sheriff by the balls and asked him not to investigate anything about what happened to Ron. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you're saying it's basically a 
one-two combo between Gordon Massey and Mary? Yeah, I feel like it is. And then the sheriff, because you got Mary, the sheriff, and Gordon Massey. And then I don't think Paul knew anything about it, because if that was the case, he probably would have he probably would have said something to Mary about it. And he probably would have said like he probably would have tried to get out of there ASAP, which is what Mary should have did in the beginning when she saw that things were spiraling. That doesn't make any sense that she didn't decide to up and leave. The thing that I have to poke a hole with that is, is then what is Mary or the superintendent's beef with Paul's fresh hour to say when we set them up, they stay down. And see, now I'm wondering, I think Mary had already booked it by then, but Paul, but not, not Paul, Gordon and the sheriff had still been in it and they were trying to keep Paul locked up. But see, that's... Because it would make sense. Wait, wasn't the, wasn't there something going on it with make the twelve year old girl? That the sheriff girl? would be roped in. Who was somewhere. messing with the twelve year old girl? Uh, some of these uh, accused. David Longberry, brother. No, no, Longberry. no, Massey, Massey. Yeah, oh. and nine times out of ten, with that, I feel like the sheriff had the sheriff knew about Massey doing what he was doing, but he was keeping it hush hush. With yes. that girl. Mm -hmm. And that, who David Longberry? Who the fuck was he? David Longberry was a fellow bus driver employee. He was hidden on Mary. Who was supposedly hidden on Mary. But again, he passed a, they said he passed a polygraph. See, he, but see, he knew something else. Cause it said he had been, he um, troubled man, abused a young girl and left town. Um, So he knew detailed employee information too. What if that had, he was the one who went back and told Ron. Because if he was like, he might've been like, if I can't have it, then nobody can. So what he did was he knew that she had probably, she chose the superintendent over him because obviously the superintendent got more money. Sat here and did that, chose the other guy to get back at her. He went and told, or it could have just been him the whole time to start chaos because she didn't choose him. Cause if he knew- It could have, I mean, it then you have to see, well, how did he get access to Paul Freshour's gun? He might have stole it. They said that it was stolen. Keep that in mind. Those are, I mean, those are good theories. Those are, those are like excellent theories from both of y'all. I have my theory and then I'm going to get into like a, into like an internet kind of supernatural theory that's out there. Right? Mm -hmm. So my theory, and this was presented by an investigator and he i think he's in the it was in like the 94 95 he investigated the case and he found a connection that most people really didn't nobody thought about this person was karen freshour paul freshour's wife so remember um when mary and ron first went to fresh hours they went to both karen because karen is ron's sister Karen is Ron's sister. And so basically what this what this investigator basically was saying was Karen and Paul were actually going through a divorce. And after these letters or during the investigations, Karen actually hated Paul, hated his guts. Um, and when Paul was on trial, there was a there was a key witness that was never called to testify. I forget her name. But there was a key witness, a key witness that was never called to testify, and she was a fellow bus driver. And so basically, she was on a, she was on her bus route, and she said that she saw two people on the side of the road with what seemed to be like a sign. 
She described these people. She described a tall man with sandy brown hair and there was a woman there and there was a yellow El Camino car. Now, Karen, again, they were going through a divorce. So basically what this investigator was kind of insinuating was that Karen was with somebody else because the yellow El Camino car belonged to Karen's brother. And so, so you think they both found out they got cheated on. So so Paul, in their divorce decree, he got everything. But if he went to jail, he wouldn't get anything. It was it was the sheriff and it was the sheriff and Karen. I say it was a sh- <laughs> now Paul insisted. Well, <laughs> Paul insisted that she did it because his son, he said his son stole the gun. And but he didn't report him because it was his son and he didn't want his son going to jail. And the other piece of evidence is that Karen asked to borrow a typewriter from Paul's sister during the divorce proceedings. And this was around the time that the letters started being typed. The only thing was that these early letters were very specific with this school info. Well, I mean, school info is not hard to get if you call the right people and know the right people. It's really not. Mainly with how much people gossip. You have to realize, like, with school information, people gossip like there's no tomorrow. So, and then that's even among teachers, bus drivers. So, school information, like bus routes and stuff, it's easy to figure out someone's bus route. Because I used to do, I used to ride two buses to and from school and knew the bus routes like the back of my hand. You can get that easily out of a kid. You can get that easily out of, like, anything. Basically, people are saying that it was Karen and her son because her son ended up dying by suicide uh, years later. He might have felt guilty about what he did. So, so, so maybe, so maybe were they upset? Were they upset that? But the sheriff had to, I, I, I'm dead set on the sheriff guy because that's still weird that they wouldn't do an investigation. <laughs> I feel, maybe he was getting a cut of the money. Like maybe he was getting a cut of something. So it could have been Karen, her son, and the sheriff. And nine times out of, and if she was sitting here seeing that, uh, with her son that time at the, with the yellow El Camino, because it could have been, if that was her son, then they were probably sitting here setting up stuff. But how did Paul get into this? Paul, what was Paul doing? They, the the Gillespie's basically just went to Paul and Karen because they were still living together. Uh-huh. They just basically went to them because they were family. Remember, Karen was Paul's sister. No, Paul, I mean, Karen, Karen was, was Ron's, Ron's sister. sister. Okay. But it does. I mean, that's a good question because, like, but so why would Ron end up dead? Why would you why, go that's to the your question. Why would Ron sister. end up dead? Because that's Karen's brother, right? Yeah. So what what would have played into him? I think his was an accident. I mean, his, his, if I had to, his death could have genuinely been a mistake. But that may be mm-hmm. why the sheriff had to sit here and not investigate and keep it hush hush because he knew if Ron got figured out, then that meant if Ron got figured out, then that meant that they would get figured out. If they dig, too, if they dug too deep about Ron's death, then somebody would have had to try and figure out what happened after that, or what was going on, or what caused his death, and then that would have brought them back to Karen, the son, and the sheriff. So the sheriff said, "Hush, hush," and then they probably sat here and said, and that's why she needed the money even more, because now she got another person to add into the mix. Because Karen doesn't definitely has a motive, because if she found out that Mary actually did cheat on Ron. Then that would give her that would give her a motive to take out Mary. 
And well, that may be, and see, another thing, they might have been aiming for Mary, not Ron. Ron just happened to be the one to sit here and see them lurking outside and decided to go and handle it. And the reason why he tried to go and handle it, he knew them. And it makes more sense even more is because if it was the son of Karen, the son of his sister, he knew who it was. He knew he could handle the situation. But nine times out of 10, the, and the son might have killed himself because motive already, he had to do something he, he really wasn't ready to do. Because then there's another thing of like Ron's blood alcohol level. Like, do we just, do we believe that? If we do, how did he get intoxicated? Driving. Yeah. So fast. Unless they had to force a reason, as I said, and nine times out of ten, what if what if Karen and the son asked Ron to join in? Wait, what if the son he asked the son, why are you lurking outside my house and why are you around my house? And the son is like, OK, listen to me, uncle. This is what happened. You are now being brought into this. And he said, no, I'm going to the police. I'm not taking part in this. Even if Mary did what she did, she's still my wife and I'm not going to help you kill her. And the son said, that we gonna I, I told you the plan already we're gonna have to get rid of you and he might not have even told his mom about what had happened because that then that that's all and Cause there's still there's you said there's still what well there's still the letter of the brakes being cut remember like one of those letters had a threat of your brakes being cut true and we won't know if the brakes in his they didn't car do an investigation Ron's car were cut. They didn't do it. The car was crushed a few days after. See, somebody should have snuck and found out whether the brakes were cut, <laughs> but they probably would have ended up MIA anyway. So we went we went on the, like the surface level theories, right? There is like a supernatural kind of out there theory. And basically this theory comes up as like periodically through throughout time, these kind of finite moments, there are things that happen in history that are just totally unexplained and they can't be traced down. There's clues, but they can't be traced down to just like this one singular culprit or uh, cause to what happened in this event. It is it is like that, um, you know, I mentioned a term before, like mm -hmm. high strangeness of where stuff just keeps happening. But then, as Rex said, red herring goes cold. Then something else happens and it goes cold. There's been multiple times where this has happened. I mean, one of the most famous is uh, Roanoke, where everybody just disappeared. Yeah, that from that settlement. There's 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 theories of like what happened. All oh, it was just disease. Well, if it was disease, why was there's no why were there no bodies found? It was, it was Native Americans. They took them out. There's no Native Americans. Why was there no sign of a struggle? It's just gone. It was completely gone. It was like, oh well, they moved. If they moved, why didn't they leave any trace of where they went? Because they knew settlers were coming in. So it's like there's there's all these theories, but nothing seems to stick. There's a theory like with this case is something similar because one, we focus on this one story, right? When in truth, when, when in reality, multiple different forms of this story could have been happening at the same time, because these letters are going off all, first they started off all across Circleville. Hundreds of people were receiving this like But how letter. would they have known what was going on in other places? They People only knew if one, something like Ron, you know, happened or somebody died or they went to the police or something but no because like it was hundreds and hundreds of miles away from this the epicenter of where it had first started right that was after ron had went to jail paul but yes went you're to correct jail. paul yeah that was after paul had went to jail but yes you're correct and some of these letters like i said were dusted with poison everybody forgets that whoever was writing these letters 
And it's not the discount. Still, still neglecting. Still neglecting the fact that like, who's to say this didn't just catch on as a fad and everybody took this opportunity as a free for all to get back that to somebody. Too. That's true too. That's a, that's a, that's like a very interesting because in order to it be one culprit, that person would have to have enough power to one influence evidence government level power government level power what if okay now my question is this what if okay what if they live in a place okay like let's be honest here what if the government was really watching them and trying to see how these people will react to being antagonized by letters in the 19 like in in a time period where we're still like figuring things out Cause like this is probably this is around nineteen seventy something. What if they were doing tests? Like literally, they picked an area, a small town, decided to sit here and run some tests, psychological tests on these people to see how they would do with hysteria and actually figure out, try and figure out how they would plan, how things would pan out, how things would play out, and then finally it because it died out on its own. But they needed somebody to take the fall, so they just chose Paul because it's not adding up. That it did it like everywhere else. This was also happening because uh, don't forget MK Ultra, which I don't know if you guys are yeah. familiar with MK Ultra. That was going on around the same time over in New York, I believe. New York, like rural New York, I think. For those of you that don't know about MK Ultra, MK Ultra was basically it was a government, I believe, by the CIA. It was a government funded program in which they were testing. They were doing various different psyops and psyops basically meaning they're playing mental games in which yeah, psychological, mental, they were even experiment. That's where LSD, LSD was made for MKUltra. You don't know LSD is a man-made substance, it's a man-made drug. It was a CIA to figure out how they react. And a lot of people, like that fucked a lot of people up. Yes. Uh, like brainwashing, psychological torture. In Canada, I forget which movie. They were shooting a movie, I forget which one. But people in the movie, they were exposed to a substance that would cause cancer during the movie. Was it the sleep vent, the sleep room? It says the sleep room, a 1998 Canadian television movie about experiments on Canadian mental patients that were carried out in the 1950s and funded by the CIA's MK Ultra program. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Sleep room, I guess, is just an adaptation of, the, of that whole story. But yeah, so this has been documented going on. So is this is this a psyop in which they're just monitoring how people react under these conditions? Why? I have no idea. But that would, make I mean, sense. that would make sense. In the 70s, though, you got to think like, OK, for example, propaganda in war was a real thing. Like, OK, mm-hmm. psychological warfare is a real thing. If we are going to just explore that theory, it's not improbable to to think like this could happen to prepare for future combat. Because like you coming out of World War Two, of course, you're on edge. And Vietnam, I mean, actually. yeah. Well, yeah, Vietnam. I don't think Vietnam would have been as like strategic as World War Two. Vietnam feels more like a brute force battle. It was a lot of torture. It was mostly torture and trying to force people to just like brainwashing torture to get people to admit to things that sometimes it wasn't true, sometimes it was true. 
Yeah, but people don't really realize the stakes of World War One and Two. Like in World War One and Two, you're literally trying to influence people's entire country. You're not trying to overwhelm their military. You're trying to overwhelm their people. There was a lot more involved with like propaganda and trying to get people to turn on their own governments just to, you know, shift power. So there's a lot more stuff like that happening. Which is where you get a lot of these, like, weird case files. Like, especially around the time, like, John F. Kennedy and before, right around that, yeah. that little pocket. <laughs> it was a lot of, like, special op stuff going on, apparently, yeah. where people was this, just, like, bro, doing stuff I didn't stuff realize that people. around, like, yes, after 1945, around the 1950s and stuff, like, the CIA, when the CIA kind of got established, they was doing some sketchy stuff. Like sketchy, sketchy stuff, yeah. mainly to, and I mean, I understand they were trying to help the economy kind of get from the Great Depression and everything, but no, nah, let's see, they were doing some sketchy stuff. Well, it's just a weird thing, though, because like, it's not that like, the stuff probably wouldn't have happened True. eventually, naturally. It's just that an entity starts to play God at that point. Um, when you start to create those types of situations. And that's the part that makes everybody think that it's kind of like taboo because for these types of experiments, people can't know that it's happening to them. And somebody has yeah. to take the fall eventually, like somebody, they have to have somebody. And somebody has to be complicit. But, and see, that's well. the thing. Cause, and see, OK, so like that's the thing I personally feel now this may just be me. What if they did have somebody that somebody that was like covert ops like they kind of snuck into the town kind of built up that lifestyle of oh i'm just a person for the community blah 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 and that could have been like let's be honest that could have been anybody in this story or it could have been karen what if her family didn't really know who she was and this whole time she might have been working with the government and put in this town to sit here and start mayhem because she could have been the one who to sit here and start all of this and we just wouldn't know because yeah, it's Karen could have had ties to the superintendent who would in a small town superintendent could be pretty important. Exactly. And she's a woman. So I'm sitting here like you can get any type of information from a guy if you do the right things. Like, let's be honest, if he's already cheating with a married woman, especially in the 70s. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time in the 70s, like she might have got slapped for talking at the wrong time. I don't think it was that bad. But she didn't yeah, talk I don't think much. it was that bad. I don't think it was that mainly <laughs> like it mainly if she's doing it under the pretense of someone else. If she's at because like you didn't, we still don't know who it actually was. But if she's writing these letters and getting all this information out, and if her husband is trying to leave her, what if that was the plan all along? Like they were separating, but maybe she just got a little uh, like. What if she wasn't even upset about not getting the money? What if it was all a part of the project? Get with this man, split up with him, sit here and see how things fall apart. And sadly, her brother just happened to get caught in the crossfire. And yeah, since her brother got caught in the crossfire, it probably pushed her son to get pulled into some stuff. And she didn't have any choice but to sit here and just kind of stay underground because the government told her she needed to shut up. Well, ultimately, like, it's it's just a rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole. At the at the at the <laughs> bottom of it, at the bottom of it, it's really like you're gonna expect the answer, but the answer you're really gonna get is it's gonna elude you. This is what happens when you this is what happens when you keep secrets. Literally, like like at the end of it, it's just this is where secrets bring you. 
mm-hmm. because the nature not of man. All you, have, all you have is theories and conspiracies. Like, like to be honest, mm-hmm. it's nothing but those. For example, like we know we'll never know the answer, but we'll sit here and keep talking about it. <laughs> what if that's also yeah, what we'll if that's also a part it. of the psychological experiment? How long can we keep that like how what type of story do we need to keep people continuously talking about a story for years and years to come to where they're still trying to analyze it, figure it out, but they're still talking about it? Well, when things like that happen, um it's good to look in the other direction. Because not not so much like for your well, I'm not gonna say not for your own game, but like when things happen, you have to understand like people are sheep, and like people say that like when they're like quote unquote woke or whatever, but like we are sheep. Just ask people because the way we live now, we are herded, literally herded by large scale media corporations. We're herded by advertising, marketing, brands, things of that nature. We're herded by politicians. We're herded by religion. We are sheep at our core. But the thing is, largely, we are sheep who can herd themselves, which is a bit of a paradox. It's like the tail and the head are connected. You see what I'm saying? The tail and the head are connected. It's really about what part of the rotation you're in. You're either at the hill, at the head where you initiate movement or you're at the tail where you follow movement into your time to initiate. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's a circle. For circle bill. Bruh, I hate you. Oh <laughs> <laughs> what? Literally that weird creepy music in the background. What the fuck? <laughs> in all, it, it it's an guys, in all, it is a uh, unsolved mystery. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, I'm gonna wrap it there. Just let your just just let your brain just go into the, the various different theories and conspiracies that you can possibly come up with. Nothing's confirmed to be true. Is this just the case of one person writing these anonymous letters to everybody, or is it the case of like multiple people with different intentions writing letters and just taking part of the fad, or is it CIA? Oh, I say this. I say this to you all the time. I think I say this to you more than anybody because we don't know anything. <laughs> And like you told me, like you told me, you'll never find peace if you don't choose to believe something. Because truth is, even if you came up with the right theory, no one would tell you. And there's no chance. And then, even if they you. told you, they may be lying. It's just like, I mean, all right, a message to our viewers and listeners. Pick a path in life and just follow it. Because if not, you're just on the fence and it's just going to be chaos. Yep. Just, just pick a side, bro. It doesn't matter. Don't straddle the fence. It doesn't matter. Because, uh, again, you can still go with the theory that maybe somebody or something is tapping into this trickster kind of realm of reality that we live in where stuff makes sense and then stuff don't make sense. There's multiple stories about this. We'll probably cover some more. But uh, well, people, the people who succumb to these types of things take themselves too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and just remember this, like the earth been around for billions of years and. You gonna live to what, like a hundred yeah, max? Yeah, hundred max. Me, seventy-seven. It ain't that big, bro. You ain't that big. <laughs> it ain't worth self-destructing, bro. I guess another moral to this story is: don't have no dirt. Yeah.
And, no, and, no I think dirt. the moral, to, the moral to this story is if you have dirt and someone threatens you, just gonna put it out there. Yeah, just own your just dirt. Gonna, just, just own, own your it. dirt. Because then after you own it, what letter can they send you just next? Oh dang, I wasn't expecting you to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Like you did this. Yeah, I know. Write a letter yeah. back. I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Just have it. <laughs> truth there's waiting in the mailbox but that's the thing right that's the thing right there's so much power there's so much power in honesty the thing the thing about lies is like you end up chasing that you that's how you that's how the circle is formed that's how the circle is formed literally that's how the circle is connected telling you hey did we just come did this this just happen and come across a town where so many lies built up that something and see what what okay Theory, theory the program, theory program, because my mind is working at 10 times speed. What if, and I know Rick's like, I'm ready to go, y'all. What if, what if Jesus was like, y'all got a little too many secrets and it's about to be the downfall of this town and they didn't really listen, kind of like Dracula. <laughs> Lakia, if y'all don't leave within a year, y'all about to get messed up. Yeah, he sat here and was like, y'all need to start owning up to y'all stuff. And it started with one letter and they was like, we're not doing that. You got me up. And he said, bet. And so all of this kind of transpired and everything just kind of went downhill. And went Old Testament on them boys. You might not have to send meteors no more. You know what I'm saying? He said, he said, he said, we're going to work from the inside out. Hey, bro said, you know, you know, brimestone was like 10,000 years ago. <laughs> you know, fire and brimestone is so outdated. He said, I got better ways. Damn, they boys up there Bro picking said, up side ups and everything. Right. Pillars, th- pillar, <laughs> pillars of salt. What was Wait. I thinking? <laughs> Bro, God been on that. What you mean? Babylon? <laughs> God. Hey. God said, "Don't you know I'm the one that Bruh, programmed y'all?" I, I would. <laughs> hey, I said, "Don't you know I, I wrote the code?" I would like I to sit here code. and ask, like, for the people who listen to this episode, definitely come back and, like, if y'all have any theories of y'all's own conspiracies of y'all's own, if y'all do y'all's own research, if y'all may have any ideas, send us a message, email us, things like that, and maybe one episode we can sit here and cover those. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And if you know of any, if there's any more, what's that? <laughs> I'm dying this. Way. I, I like it. it. I like it. I like it. But yeah, uh, thank thank y'all for joining us. And again, as Paradox said, uh, if you know any of these uh, other trickster kind of high strange stories, I know some that we probably cover later. But uh, feel free to send it to us. You like the unsolved mysteries. We like to go into the theories, but uh, thank you for joining us. That was the, that's the end of our episode. That's all we got time for. If you uh, follow us on Instagram, Spotify, we're on Apple, uh, Apple Podcast, and Twitch, and Twitch. Yeah, follow us on Twitch. We're streaming on Twitch. Um, just, just played uh, Strange Company. God damn it, Lethal Company. <laughs> <laughs> I keep getting the name wrong. <laughs> we just played Lethal Company. It's bundles of fun. See us come on there and scream and try and crap, click scrap, get not paid for it. Am I about to get another Philly cheesesteak, bro? I'm Let me dying. Get <laughs> Go get your Philly cheesesteaks, people. If you like the song, the name of the song was Flood. 
by jars of clay. Before, check that out. Before we end That's today, all. we got um we had um our boy Rick drop another he dropped another but another banger. Another banger. What's what's his name, Rick? <laughs> Thank y'all. My new track is called Satisfied. And you can get it now everywhere. You can get no Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, whatever. I don't use SoundCloud, <laughs> so you can't get it there. But I did put it on YouTube for all my YouTube listeners. I've been holding out on y'all. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Stop. You sound too modest. I need some more energy with that. I'm dying. What am I supposed to? Oh yeah, brother! It's satisfied. <laughs> yeah, satisfied by Rick. You can look it up anywhere, man. It's 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 a it's a blast. It's it's a, it's a good time. Just turn it on. Hug somebody you love. Kiss them. Tell them you love them. Yeah, that's 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 about it. It's busting. Yeah, tell them you love them. And uh, write them a letter. Uh, don't 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 be writing no weird letters, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all we have time for. Bye. Good night. Can't feel my feet touching the ground. But if I can't swim out the forty days in my mind is crushed by the crashing waves that feel so high that I cannot fall to feel Guilt that over